With Long Island local news on February 23, 2023, I'm Gianna Volpe on WLIWFM. A proposal for a 121-room hotel on Main Road in Mattituck is pending before South Old Town officials, but residents who attended a recent Civic Association event said the facility is not a good fit for their community. Jean-Paul Salamanca reports on Newsday.com that the Boutique Hotel at 98,000 square feet and two stories high would be managed by Dobbs Ferry-based developer Ward Capital Management LLC on an 11.83-acre main road property owned by Cardinale Management. It would feature 418 parking spaces, a pool, and other amenities, adding up to a project covering 200,000 square feet. Dwayne Prieto, principal for Ward Capital Management, told Newsday that the Cardinale family, which always has owned the property, had been looking to develop it for some time. The property formerly was a Capital One building before closing in 2011. The developer filed applications proposing the hotel with Southhold's planning and zoning boards in December, which currently are being reviewed according to town officials. Residents, however, appear unenthusiastic about the proposal and seem prepared to dig in for a fight. A meeting that the Mattituck Laurel Civic Association hosted last month at the Mattituck Laurel Library, where Prieto discussed the proposed hotel, drew more than 150 people. None spoke in favor of the project. Considering the community reaction, Prieto told Newsday on Tuesday the plan would be or could be modified to reduce parking spaces to prevent wetlands disruption and said a widening of the street near the hotel could help facilitate traffic flow. He also said he would expect hotel guest arrivals and departures to be staggered and that the facility wouldn't be a major traffic generator. Meanwhile, in North Haven, the North Haven Village Board continued a public hearing last week on legislation aimed at protecting mature and majestic trees through a revision to the village's clearing code. Quote, we wish this to be a reasonable code. We wish to protect mature, old, majestic trees in the village that are considered a strong characteristic of the village and what most people love about it, North Haven Mayor Chris Fiore said prior to the hearing at its most recent board meeting, adding, we do not want contractors coming in and clear-cutting. We do not want residents clear-cutting without going to the building inspector. Mayor Fiore explained. Elizabeth Vespi reporting on 27East.com that except for species identified as invasive by the New York State Department of Transportation, no native deciduous tree with a caliper of 21 inches or greater at a height of 4.5 feet above ground level, or American holly or cedar with a caliper above 10 inches at a height of 4.5 feet above ground level would be allowed to be removed without a tree removal permit issued by the building inspector under the legislation. Tree work conducted by or for a state-regulated public utility would be exempt under the proposal. A permit to remove a mature tree should be granted only if in the opinion of the building inspector or an arborist certified by the International Society of Arboriculture, it is dead or dying, or if it poses a danger to property or the public, or if it's within the building envelope of construction plans on file with the building department, the code change reads. Any person guilty of violating the proposed code 
could be fined up to $2,500 for each tree removed. Also, any building permit in effect for the property would be suspended for 90 days, and each tree would be must be replaced with one from the North Haven Village list of recommended species with a minimum caliper of 8 inches at 4.5 feet above ground level. The public hearing will continue at the next North Haven Village board meeting on March 15th. And finally, Republican Brookhaven Town Council person Dan Panico said he expects to receive his party's nomination for the town supervisor's seat at the GOP nominating convention night in Ronkonkoma. Carl McGowan reporting on Newsday.com that Panico, 44, said he plans to run on the conservative party line in addition to the Republican line. Senator Rich's resident is hoping to succeed Edward P. Romaine in the role, which will be up for grabs in November as the incumbent supervisor runs for Suffolk County Executive. Suffolk Republicans are expected to nominate Romaine, 76, also of Senator Rich's, to lead their ticket in county elections this fall. The presumptive Democratic nominee is Dave Cologne in the race to succeed County Executive Steve Ballone, who is term limited. Brookhaven Democrats are expected to announce their candidates for supervisor and town council at a party nominating convention in Holtzville, which is also being held today. Reading the weather in Glen Cove in honor of our next guest, Denny Lane, performing at my father's place tonight for one night only, looking like a 20% chance of light rain before 10 a.m. I'm almost a little uh, relieved to hear that because I was surprised not to see rain in the forecast a little little earlier this morning because it certainly looks like it. Otherwise, cloudy with a high near 44 degrees today, northeast wind around 9 miles per hour. That 20% chance of light rain will continue tonight before 10 p.m. Cloudy otherwise, then gradually becoming partly cloudy with a low around 37 degrees. East wind 6 to 8 miles per hour becoming west after midnight. Right, right now it's 36 degrees. Uh, and that Wings playlist continuing as um, uh, Denny Lane was a member of Wings as well as the Moody Blues uh, so what do we got? Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, Birdie, and then we'll play uh, one of Denny's best, Mull of Kintyre, uh, before we speak to him. But first, Jimmy Buffett right here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. Stay tuned. Up around the stratosphere at 31,000 feet I'm gonna fly on out of here on wings that you can't see If you're gonna fly high without fear You're gonna have to learn to love the atmosphere And you gotta learn to use those wings you can't see I've been shredding on the mountains of the moon On a weekend wind I've been looking out for life on Mars, ground control to Major Jim. All these things could be yours too, if you just take another point of view. Everybody's got a pair of wings they can't see. I got wings that you can't see. I have wheels on my feet. 
swimmers in the water and tiny beach bars and all because of these wings you can't see. I've got wings that you can't see. I have wheels on my feet. Well, I feel free on these wings. Maybe if you open up your mind, you might learn some things. God only knows what you might find floating on those wings. You can try to fly away from all your problems. I'm here to say that ain't the way to solve them. I can only help you with your wings. You can't see. We have wings that we can't see. We have Take a little taste of freedom high up in the cloudland kingdom. Take a little trip on wings that you can't see. love this next one. I never heard it before. I think it's about sneaker culture and the advent of Air Jordans. I was seven years old when I got my first pair and I stepped outside and I was like, Mama. Who else has seen the new right film it's gonna about me fly. I this line door. happening? I, I haven't jumped, yet. I jumped. I swear I got so high. I touched the net. Mom, I touched the net. This is the best day of my life. Air Maxes were next. That air bubble, that mesh. The box, the smell, the stuffing, the treaded school. I was so cool. I knew that I could increase them. My friends couldn't afford them. Four stripes on their Adidas. On the court, I wasn't the best. But my kicks were like the pros, yo. I stick out my tongue so everyone could see that logo. Nike Air Flight book bag was so dope. And then my friend Carlos's brother got murdered for his fours. Whoa. See, he just wanted a jump shot. But they wanted to start a coat, though. Didn't want to get caught from Genesee Park to Othello. You get clam for those crow wings with the Velcro. Those were not tight. I was trying to fly without leaving the ground. Because I wanted to be like Mike Wright. Wanted to be him. I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to touch the rim. I wanted to be cool. And I wanted to fit in. I wanted what he had. America, it begins. Can't have 
Commodity makes us want it. So expensive, damn. I just got to flaunt it, got to show them. So exclusive, this, that new shit. A hundred dollars for a pair of shoes. I would never hoop in. Look at me, look at me. I'm a cool kid. I'm an individual, yeah. But I'm part of a movement. My movement told me be a consumer, and I consumed it. They told me to just do it. I listened to what that swoosh said. Look at what that swoosh did. See it consume my thoughts. Are you stupid? Don't crease them, just leave them in that box. Strangled by these laces, laces, I can barely talk. That's my air bubble and I'm lost. If it pops, we are what we wear, we wear what we are. But see, I look inside the mirror and think Phil Knight tricked us all. Will I stand for change or stay in my box? These Nikes help me to find me, but I'm trying to take mine. Started out with what I wear to school that first day. Like these are what make you cool. And this pair, this would be my pair of shoes. So much more than just a pair of shoes. Nah, this is what I am, what I wore. This is the source of my youth. This dream that they sold to you. Four hundred dollars and some change. Consumption is in the veins. And now I see it's just another pair of shoes. Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, Wings, dollar sign for the S from the heist record of 2011. This is Birdie's acoustic version of Wings. Sunlight comes creeping in, illuminates our skin. We watch the day go by. On WLI WFM. Stay tuned with Denny Lane, formerly of Wings, in just a few minutes right here on The Heart.
Womp womp. <laughs> no Denny Lane on the line. And I don't even have a number to reach him. 
That's all right. We'll do a quick check. See if he's on the line. No. All right. No worries. I'll let you know what's going on for Denny tonight. You can see him at my father's place tonight, um, 3 Pratt Boulevard in Glen Cove, starting at 8 o'clock. Tonight, you can get tickets at myfathersplace.com. He's going to be doing his uh, intimate songs and stories show. Uh, That's a two-time Grammy Award winner, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee and founding member of both the Moody Blues and uh, Wings as well. I'll, I'll sneak in two Wings tracks. I almost hopped over um, and then we'll go over to um, Denny's solo cover of Go Now from his Blue Nights record of 94. Just checking. No, he's not there. I'm Gianna Volpe. This is Jackson Dean. And you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome. And you're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. Can it never end? 
Happiness is. Denny Lane is on the line with us. Two-time Grammy Award winner, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee and founding member of both the Moody Blues and Paul McCartney's post-Beatles band Wings. Good morning, Denny Lane. Good morning, John. How are you? I am so grateful to have you on the line with us, and I'm sure... Uh, many of folk are grateful to be having you on the island with us tonight at my father's place, one of the coolest venues we got going out here, out in Glen Cove. Uh, I announced uh, that they can get tickets at myfathersplace.com. Um, and I, I do want to know a bit more about songs and stories, but I'd love first if you can yeah. if you can bring us all the way back to Birmingham and uh, growing up and talk about uh, changing your name to begin with and, and how that relates to your first band. Well, Birmingham was the sort of place that everybody, you know, had a fourth name. <laughs> Johnny and the Dominators, all that sort of thing, you know. So I kind of made that name up around through influences, if you like. And um, I was the head of a band called Denny Lane and Diplomats. The drummer in that band was Bev Bevan, who started the ELO, so right. he did okay too. Yeah. Um, we were all playing everybody's music, and then we moved to London. We became a blues band, and that's the way it went. And then we, we met the Beatles, all that stuff early, in the early days. And so we're part of the London scene, really. And, uh, right, and, right. and we went from there, did the Chuck Berry tour. That helped go, now go up the charts, and... I could go on forever. <laughs> I know. I love that. So, yeah. and, and I have to imagine that that really connects a lot with uh, what you're going to be doing tonight in addition to playing, sort of telling yeah. stories, uh, yeah. you know, opening opening up for Jimi Hendrix in London. This is incredible stuff yeah. with the electric well, string band. Well, yeah. Yeah, all that stuff is in there because it's connected. And, uh, you know, I, I try and keep this brief as possible. Sometimes you get carried away and play a little bit longer than usual. But, you know, it, the people love all that stuff. And it's a small crowd and, and, and we have like a kind of a backwards and forwards, you know, relationship with the crowd. So, and the songs are obviously, yeah, like you said, you know, from the early days to now. Uh, even some new material that nobody's ever heard. Things like that. So I mean, I it depends on the story. You know, I've got so many stories about so many different things that I try to change it around as much as possible. But it's that. It's a good. It's a good night. We've had a great time with the crowd so far, and they seem to love it. You know, oh, and they can hear all oh, the yeah. words. <laughs> 
which is important. Well, for some people, and I, I just love. Well, of course. I love all the interconnectedness of of all of these really big names, including yours. You know, our, our first guest this morning was talking about uh, the Moody Blues and how they would play out here uh, with the Long Island and Philharmonic. Uh, and I and I remember hearing her dating it, and I said, "Oh, well, you had you had moved on, and you were in Wings." At that time, can you talk a little bit about uh, the first two years of the Moody Blues and being a foundation, uh, a founding member there? Uh, I guess uh, ending yeah. with your induction to the yeah. Hall of Fame. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Moody's were kind of progressive band anyway. We had a piano. That was one of the reasons the Beatles liked us because we were the copy band, like everybody wanted to sound the Beatles, but we. We were influenced by everything that was going on musically in those days. But we were playing the blues set. Uh, we had a residency in Birmingham, and um, we got discovered. So, I mean, we came down to London because of that and, and got part of the London scene rather than Birmingham scene. I think we've, us and the Spencer Davis group were about the first couple of bands that came down to London. We were looking for for deal, a deal, you know. So that's what we did. Um but we had a we we played a lot a lot of gigs. We did a lot of work in those two or three years that I was around, and we got quite a good following in Birmingham. Um, so we were already a pretty good band by then. It's like when the Beatles went to to, to Germany, you know, to play so many shows that you you can't help but get tight and and you know get to know each other. And that's that's what the Moody's was like as well. We're kind of a homegrown group. Um, and like I said, when we came to London, we were pretty polished. So it was uh, it was all all going up the ladder from there. You see. And and the electric string band that was after you left the the Moody Blues. Yeah, well, that was an extension of what I wanted to do. But the Moody Blues, you got to remember, were kind of progressive. And even when I left, they were still going in that same direction, right. even more so. I mean, all that happened was Michael turned around, turned away from piano to a mellotron, which gave them that that more sort of futuristic sound. But we were pretty progressive. Um, we weren't trying to just play blues. We we added other influences to our set, uh, and which gives you, you know, your own sound. Really, you're not trying to copy anybody particularly, but you are influenced by everybody. Um, and that's that's what the band was all about. Really, it was it was just that. So when the Moody's came to America, you know, they had a whole new set, they had a whole new uh, whatever, but they still had that sound that we had from before. Or they they, they moved on with that sound and, and, thank God, had a great success with it. And I'm really pleased about that. I'm glad that they did because I would have felt bad for leaving. But anyway, I got into this Moody, this um, electric string band thing because I wanted to try it. The Beatles had done it with George Martin. It was nothing new. But I was think about the first to do it live, I think. Um, so, And that's when I opened for Jimi Hendrix at one point. That was quite a, about a year later or something from when we first started. And by then, we were pretty tired as well. And all the Beatles in the audience, Jimmy came up to me afterwards and paid me a compliment on, he said, like a guitar player. I said, that was me. He goes, oh, sorry, man. No, that's what I meant. Yeah. So... <laughs> Good times, you know, it was really good times. And you met everybody in those clubs. A lot of the American bands came over to mingle with all the British bands. And we were 
all out of town, as most of us anyway. But then again, we used to open with uh, bands like uh, Rod Stewart, Jeff Beck, um, you know, the Yardbirds, bands like that. Unbelievable. That were established in London, the Stones, did a lot of work with the Stones as well. So we were part of that scene. Yeah. But, it's... yeah, but when I left, I to do something a little bit different. That's all. That's all that was. And, and it was great times, you know. Well, you know, I don't want to bring you out of the great times, but we did just lose uh, Jeff. Did you want to talk a little bit about uh, that experience, uh, you know, losing Jeff Beck? Uh, huge. Oh, yeah. Well, the first time I ever Jeff was uh, we, used, we did a double with him. And um, I always remember seeing the guitar on stage. And I thought, that's a strange setup. He's got very light gauge strings on his guitar. He's about the first one person I ever saw do that. We played football. We played five-a-side football in the hall and got into a bit of a fight because he didn't want us to. But other than that, uh, I was going great with him. And I met him a couple of times over, over the period of, you know, a few years. Um, loved him. He was just a great guy. You know, he liked cars and he liked guitars, and that's what I like. <laughs> Amen. What's your favorite? What's your favorite car? Well, I've had a few. I mean, I'm I'm really kind of a Bentley guy because I'm British. You know, I like any any British cars. I also like a lot of American cars. You know, I mean, come on, I'm, a good friend of mine's got a huge, great collection of cars. So I, I sort of hang around with those kind of people all the time. Um, and guitars-wise, you know, it's the same. I, I do endorse a few different guitar companies. So, you know, I, I'm really part of that scene. And, and you meet some great people in that in that world, you know, and and they all seem to be connected to cars and guitars. You know, they're just kind of, it's a hobby that they enjoy, you know, because they can. But as they, you know, a car is getting to a gig as far as I'm concerned. You know, we used to have so many cars and vans that broke down in the old days. It's a luxury to have a car that doesn't. And same with guitars. You've got to have a good guitar, you know. It's all about the quality of the instruments and the car. So I, I, that's why I kind of relate it all together. Well, I am I'm, I'm definitely a, a big fan of Wings uh, and, and the Moody Blues. I know my, my grandmother... Uh, Lou is a big fan of the of the Moody Blues. She must uh, think so much of the fact that you're on the show right now. And me, I can't. I'll never forget uh, my my stepbrother. He's autistic, and he's the purest soul. And he knows every classic rock, the album, the you know when it came out. And he would he would tell yeah. me about Band on the Run. I'll never forget the first time uh, I heard that track and that that record. Uh, that was uh, what number one three different times, top selling uh, British album of 1974, mm-hmm. and uh, Band on the Run, uh, what number one in the UK for seven weeks, and of course uh, won a Grammy in '75. Mm-hmm. Was that your first Grammy? I suppose it was. <laughs> I can, I'm not very good on all dates and all things like that, but yeah, I think it was. <laughs> I mean that's uh... yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's nice to have uh, be awarded for things. It reminds you, you know. And I also remember, of course, the making of that album was very special. The fact that we ended up just doing it, me and Paul and Linda, adding a few uh, vocals after that. That we had to do it on our own because two of the guys in the band had already decided not to go to Africa. Um, so we ended up there on our own, and we just went in and carried on with it. So it came out to be a very good album, and um, 
my friend, uh, old friend, Tony Visconti, did all the um, string bass arrangements on it. So it's pretty in-house thing, and um, and like you said, you know, it was a big success. So we're all very happy about that. Yeah, there was. I I think it was. What was it? Mull of of Kintyre. Uh, I remember reading uh, from from your agent something. I think it was about that track. Uh, that in the UK, it, what it outdid, like any any Beatles single. Yeah. Well, yeah, so I hear. I mean, all I know is that at that time, before, um, do they know it's Christmas anytime? It was the biggest selling single of all time. Um, of how or why, but it just came out at Christmas, and it did. You know, so, and it was just about Paul's you know, where he had his farm up in Scotland, really. Um, he was messing around in the kitchen one day, and I overheard him singing this chorus, and I said, we should finish that off. And he says, well, I don't know if I should. I don't would like me trying to pretend to be a Scotsman and write a Scottish song. But, but anyway, we did, and uh, we recorded it up there out in, the, out in the hills with a pipe band, and it was a huge success. So, Beautiful. Yeah, this yeah. is the way things happen sometimes. You, yeah, know, you yeah. don't plan these things. It's it's beautiful, sentimental. I can imagine singing it at a pub, you know? Like, I I, I can absolutely mm-hmm. see why it did so well. Uh, and I'm just so jazzed hearing all of these stories. For folks out there who want to hear more, uh, Denny will be on Long Island one night only at My Father's Place starting at 8 o'clock tonight, myfathersplace.com uh, for tickets, or you can call 516 516- Five eight zero zero eight eight seven. I've got. Uh, I guess it's it's from your Blue Nights record of ninety four. That version of Go Now. Before I let you go, Denny, uh, anything to say about this track before we say goodbye to you? Well, you can't really, you know, redo a song that was so big. It just doesn't really work. Um, I did it, but you know, I always like the original. But great, you know, obviously I've gone through so many different changes with different members and bands and played Go Now so many times. I mean, it's, it's never the same. But always the original is the one, you know, because it has that little bit of special whatever to it. And, uh, you know, everybody, it, it stands the test of time, that song. It's such a great song. So, you know, and I met the lady who did the original, Bessie Banks, and she was a really nice person. Um, and so, you know, it's just for me looking on the outside looking in it's great that people are still you know into that music and and everything that went in those days because as i say i'm like an outsider now when you look back in these things so you, you can remember certain things about the past but that's one of the things i definitely remember recording and um and playing it for the first time and, and seeing the audience reaction to it. So, like I say, it doesn't matter what version it is, it's still that song. Well, I'm going to play. Oh, I'll play the I'll play the Moody Blues ver- version. That's I've heard that. But before I let you go, now you got to tell well, us you got to tell us the story of the first time you performed it and seeing the audience reaction, if you don't mind. Well, we got it from um, a suitcase full of 45s, and because it had a piano on it, it was very very much slower, it was like a gospel song. And Mike Pinder picks up on that, being a pub piano player. So we did it. And, you know, we used to play it live a little bit and see what the audience reaction was to it. And it always went down well. We kind of had that image, you know, the moody blues. You know, 
kind of a moody song, right? But it, we had that image of being sort of that kind of soft bluesy type of band, and uh, and we had that. We, we used to do quite a few ballads like that, and um, it used to go down well. So we decided to record it. Simple as that, really. And we recorded it at the Marquee Studios before it was even finished. That studios where we used to play every week. So it was just had that to it. You know, I always remember walking out the early hours of the morning saying, that's a hit song or whatever. I didn't think in that term so much, but I just thought, well, you know, this could do something for us. You know, and it did. Chuck Berry helped with that, that tour, because everybody heard that song on the tour, took it to the top of the charts. So cool. So, All right. Well, I'll let you go now. Uh, Denny Lane, these is the Moody Blues. The <laughs> I'm Gianna Volpe, and you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome. And you just heard the Hot Sounds segment, underwritten by William Risk Gallery. You can see Denny tonight at my father's place at 8 p.m. One night only, myfatherspleace.com. Uh, and you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome, and you're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. We've already said
another beautiful edition of The Heart here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM, 88.3 on the FM dial throughout eastern Long Island and coastal Connecticut, 96.9 in central and western Suffolk County. Of course, streaming online to wherever you are at WLIW.org slash radio. I'll tell you what I intend to do now, and that's go home. Julian Baker's Go Home from the sprained ankle record of 2015, a nice half century after the Moody Blues recorded Go Now uh, in 65. What an honor to have Denny Lane as well as Antoinette Trulio Martin on this morning's program and a deep bow to our underwriter, uh, William Risk Gallery, and all of you supporter, listeners, and underwriters out there. I'm Gianna Volpe. This is Julian Baker. And you, whoever you are out there, you are awesome. And you're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM.